Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here once again with the one and only Adam Chemaluski. Chema, how you doing, my man? Dude, I am in a great fucking mood today. And I realized, like, um, during the conversation, you know, we usually have before we start up the episode, I had totally forgot to tell you another one of the main reasons that I'm in such a great mood other than the daylight savings time thing, which is now over with, thank God. I went to a gym. For the first time That's in right. a very, very, very long time. <laughs> now, I haven't gone to LA Fitness just yet. Um, the reason why is uh, the gyms are at a very limited capacity right now. I think they went from like 10% capacity to 25% capacity in the last like two weeks or so when the week mm-hmm. kind of did another tier shift. And there are lines, so... I haven't, I just don't want to wait in line, dude. Like, I just kind of want to know that I can go work out, work out, and then go home. I don't want to like, oh God, I'm ready to work out. Then I have to stand in line for 15 minutes. So the gym in my apartment is by appointment only. They only allow two people in the gym each time. And believe me, I am making sure that that happens because I've already had to ask uh, the, the building to come up and kick somebody out which that is how we lose the gym. And I'm not about to tolerate that shit on my watch. I will be that guy and be proud of it. And uh, yeah, so that has been my um, like, dude, it's just been great to like kind of get back in and actually, you know, lift weights with a bar and stuff and and Mm -hmm. not a broomstick and, uh, you know, kind of get into sort of the back of a groove. And I've been doing the apartment gym thing like four days a week and the other, uh, the other three days I'm in the, the Jim Maluski and everything. So, uh, yeah, man, I was there today. Just did a little back work and everything feeling great. Getting ready to, uh, getting ready to do this episode. Dude. I, I, when they first opened gyms back up in Ohio in was it last July, last June, something like that. And it was right around the time I think we opened up in, june for a month so i think you guys might have had the us beat by like a couple weeks it could have been yeah because we were not we weren't closed up for that long um as 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 has been well documented um on on this podcast (laughs) on this podcast and elsewhere we've talked about that uh, many times before but yeah like that first day back in it's just like oh Thank fucking God. Like, I, thank God I have a bench to lie down instead of a concrete floor with some fucking uh, cardboard yep. underneath me as yep. padding. Dude, it felt, it just felt like so great, you know, like, and it just, I guess it's just kind of like a testament to like how much we enjoy working out and stuff. And I mean, it, you go back in there and just, I don't know, man, it, it just felt like, you know, like being in like the right environments and stuff. And like the fact that they only cut it down, they cut everything down. So it's like me and only one other person. I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. The other people in there, you know, you're just the two of you are at opposite corners of the gym. It's been very, very relaxing and stuff. So like I, out of the things, I guess, like, thank you very much, Gavin Newsom. Just thank you so much. Very, very happy for this. And um, I'm hoping that idiots don't cause it to, to get locked up again. Well, you know, that's going to happen at some point. So you might as well just, just really get it, get it in now, get it in and go hard. Yeah, exactly. Like, God, I, I'm I'm probably going to try to go to LA Fitness on Sunday. I just want to like hit the heavy bag for a little bit, and it's like, oh my God, it's like we're, we're getting that taste of normalcy, man. It's like it's just it, it tastes. It's so coming. Good. It's coming. I, I get um, I get my first shot on Wednesday. This this next Wednesday. Very very nice. And potentially that is great to hear. And but I'm going down to um, we went out of this max vac- vaccination site in Akron. 
and mm-hmm. um, at, the, at the Summit County Fairgrounds. And they might have the Johnson & Johnson shot there, although with like the latest news of them fucking up 15 million doses, maybe not. But if I get the Johnson & Johnson shot, that's it. Like, oh, I had just yeah. have to get one, which would be yeah. really nice. Dude, that would be absolutely awesome. Like, yeah, I hope that I hope that that happens. Like, I'm rooting for everybody to get the vaccine. We're eligible on April 15th. Nice. Um, if, if I can't, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. I have to get a checkup and kind of like establish primary care, which I haven't done the entire time since I've been living out here. But um, so I'm, I, I go in there. Um, and if they just say, hey, by the way, if you want to get a vaccine, I'm not saying they will, but if they offer, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it, dude. I'm going to mm-hmm. try to get it as soon as humanly possible. Yep. Once, I mean, like, I, I, you know what? I don't want to even, like, pretend like there is another side to this. Just get the fucking vaccine so we can get back to normal. Yeah. Everybody, do it. Please do it. If I am excited about, like, if Adam Chmielewski is excited to get a vaccine, I just want you to know that that means you could be excited about getting a vaccine because I hate hospitals and stuff like that. So, like, if if I'm excited, everybody should be. Right, exactly. Anyway, we are uh, <clears throat> we're not here to do any additional coronavirus stuff, um, <laughs> but we are here to uh, to fix some things. Um, I guess I don't know. For now, I'm just going to call this episode "Let's Let's Fix This Shit," mm-hmm. um, where Inchema and I are going to look at some uh, look at some problems. Um, across the range of things that we cover. So obviously we're going to cover entertainment, some sports stuff. Um, there's even some political stuff in here. Um, and uh, fuck, even business stuff. Um, we're, we're going to be looking to fix. Now, granted, like these aren't, we're not, I don't think any of us, I think I come the closest to tackling something very serious. But even then, it's more of just like, it's more of just being persuaded by, uh, recent events, some some articles, and um, just an idea of how things could run better. But when I, mm-hmm. we'll get to, I'll get to that very specifically here in a little bit. But don't don't think of these as like fixes. Like we're gonna fix human trafficking. We're gonna fix the drug problem. We're gonna like, we're not gonna fix any of that. Those are problems. Those are problems with answers so complex that they. While we might be able to like offer like a, at least some insight and some ideas to how we can kind of stem the tide against, um, I don't know, the war on drugs, how to make the war on drugs more, you know, I don't want to say equitable, but how to shift the way the war on drugs has been very punitive to members of minority uh, minority groups. Um, like, I have an idea of how to start that, but Chema, I don't know how to solve that whatsoever. I think that's, that is, quote unquote, that is above our pay grade. That is way above our pay grades. Yeah. I mean, it's, you make a, you're saying that so well, dude. Like, yeah, I could throw a couple thoughts out there, but I don't know. Like, I'm just not like super, like, I don't know. Like you're right. My, my now I'm limited in this and any type of like arguments that I am going to make, you guys have already heard them. Any arguments that I'm going to make, you've already heard them by somebody who's way more intelligent on this kind of stuff and has studied it and writes about it all the time. So yeah, it's just something, dude, I'm like, man, I, it's more of a, I think it's more of a better time for me to talk about like, you know, how redoing um, certain movies and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, that that's a way better, um, I you know, it's a way better use of our time. Exactly. Exactly. But let's, let's start off with, um, let's start off a little lightning round question here. Let's start off with something bigger that you we don't really have to get too deep into. So let's start off with this question. What do you think is an unfixable problem facing society? 
dude, I will come out and say it right away. The rising costs of living, this is a problem that is completely unfixable. Stuff is not going to be going down in price anytime soon. And I don't, I don't know if like, I know for a fact that you're smarter than this. So I know you're not like me in this regard, but like there was this point in time where like I was dumb enough to believe I was like, you know, when the recession was hitting and that's when I noticed things really started to like go up in price and stuff, at least like in my you know, kind of like modern adult life, I guess. And I was like, okay, whenever this recession's over, I'm sure everything will just go back down. This is just like, hey, this is just some kind of like, uh, you know, thing that we have to do now to get us out of this thing. Hell no. Everything has only gone up in price ever since that, mm-hmm. dude. And I'm talking about everything. Like, candy bars like when i was a kid and like they've been even cheaper like my grandmother paid even cheaper but when i was a kid like a hershey bar was like 60 cents okay like not a dollar you know and now hershey bars are like a buck 39 a buck 40 they sell them weird with like a king size or you get like three bars in one you know to make you buy to, to pay more but sort of get more and I got to tell you, like, it's just this whole everything has just been in a constant stream of going up. Nothing mm-hmm. has gotten cheaper, man. Like I to give you just a, one more quick example, like buying a beer at Blossom. When I was first 21, when I was 21 years old, you could get like a you could get like a tall, like, a you know, 22 ounce or um, a can of it for like eight bucks or something like that. Right. It has gone up 50 cents a year ever since, like to the point where like the last concert I went to at Blossom, which was um, which was the Foo Fighters before I moved in um, 2018. I was, uh, you're paying like 14 bucks for like the same can of beer. So like I got to tell you, like I just don't ever see anything getting all of a sudden just getting cheaper. Like if you if you're worried about costs of living, like you have to move to someplace that is more affordable. All of a sudden, there's not going to be a magic wand and all of a sudden your taxes are going to go down. If anything, your taxes are going to go up. You're going to have more taxes. And that is just something that I, I don't ever see going away, dude. Well, no, you're, you're, you're 100% right. Things have never gotten cheaper ever in the history of human history. <laughs> so, um, it, no, like things will never get cheaper. Um, my, my favorite sort of my favorite sort of humorous way to look at that is that I remember when it used to be when when we were in middle school and high school, you mm-hmm. had you had nickel and dime wing night at like Winking Lizard. Yeah. Yep. And now it's like it's like half off for twelve. Well that twelve costs like eight ninety nine or nine ninety nine yeah. now. And so it's right. like, okay, so I'm getting twelve wings for six dollars. I remember where I could get twenty for a dollar. Yep. Dude, I remember those days. I like that was a huge thing. Was like ten cent, fifteen cent wing night and everything. Yep. Now you don't see that people just have wing night. They don't tell you like the dollar nope. amount or anything like that in it anymore. And um, I remember like going back to even as recent as the early two thousand tens, like two thousand eleven, thirteen in that area there was this bar in Cleveland called Redstone and Redstone had the audacity to do a 10 cent wing night and everything. Number one, this didn't last long. And number two, this was an absolute shit show. This was the only 10 cent wing night, like in Northeast Ohio at the time, like everything else was just, you know, quarters, 45 cents, whatever it is. And these guys 
like this was this is almost like something out of like like Fury Road and the, um, a Morton Joe releasing the water. It's like just ten cent wings and everybody going nuts for them. They when they first started out, they had a um, you were allowed to take stuff home. And then when people were leaving with like oh, two with... boxes of uneaten <laughs> right. wings, so so that didn't last long. And then they um, then they made it so you couldn't take wings home. So everything you ordered, you either had to eat it or you had to leave it on your plate. That lasted about another year. And then after that, no more ten cent wing night. So I mean, it was it was a solid run of a couple years. Yeah. But at the same time, like. We're talking like probably like the longest wait for tables like in all oh, of Cleveland on a Tuesday night in, oh, I bet. in, in the Detroit Shoreway. So, yeah, man, like I, I used to love doing that, like, you know, going out and getting like cheap wings and stuff. And it's just you just don't have it anymore. Like places do specials, but they do shit in weird ways and stuff. You're just not getting the deals you used to get. You're absolutely right. And Chem, I have something that's maybe a uh, different side of the same coin. Um, the, the cycle of human consumption and waste, um, that kind of goes along with the rising cost of everything. Um, because even though, like, even though there is the rising cost of things, there's a lot of things that have become a lot cheaper. Like it's, it's while a a can of beer at Blossom is definitely way too expensive. Um, the fact that just about any human being on the planet can get food now is Mm -hmm. obviously a really good thing. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say people not going hungry is a bad thing, but when you have 7 billion people, over 7 billion people, and we just keep eating and consuming and destroying more and more stuff and making, yeah. and we keep making more and more waste that we don't know what to do with is mm-hmm. just something that like, I don't know what you do. Um, I saw this, I saw this really, I don't know. Do you watch last week tonight? I do watch last week tonight. Yes. Have you seen? I want to say it was an episode from like two Sundays ago, about about uh, our plastic consumption. I you know I thought about that and I immediately went to the five good minutes you did about microplastics during the okay. twenty sixty episode. I believe I'm aware of it. You okay. Know. So plastics are plastics are everywhere. Plastics are. I mean, literally go to the supermarket and look how much fucking plastic is just on display. And there's there's a whole there's a whole bunch more to this episode. It's it's mostly about um, it's about plastics, but it's also about recycling. Most of the stuff that we try to recycle can't be recycled. Like a vast right. majority of it. Um, it's like an amount that is so startling. It's like why even bother recycling? Um, but so plastics have been around since like the late 1950s is when they were introduced for like commercial usage and like in home usage, and um, when there's like food. <clears throat> Excuse me. When there was like food grade plastics available, so from the 1950s on to now, plastic uses just exploded through the you know exploded uh, exponentially since mm-hmm. the 1950s. However, over half of this is this is where I mean like human consumption is like out of control. Half the plastics ever produced have been produced since 2005. Really? So 16 years worth of plastic production and. Half of it has happened in the last 15. So I should say of 60 years, almost 70 years of plastic production, half of it has been produced in the last 15. Okay. Wow. That is definitely uh, some really, really sorry signs as far as American consumption and what, like, how, just world consumption, how, general, world consumption, world, 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 sorry, world consumption. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming the United States accounts for a big proportion of that. Um, yeah, man. 
I will tell you, I did see I did see that episode and stuff like that. I thought John Oliver and everything like did a really, really good job. And speaking from just my own experience out here in Los Angeles and stuff, trash and consumption is a major, major, major concern, dude. My apartment building has garbage day four fucking days a week. Okay. And like during the holidays when um when everybody had to like order their Christmas gifts and stuff like that. We're talking seven days a week of garbage day. Jesus. And I remember go yeah, I remember going into like um so it is is we have a trash chute. The trash chute leads into like a dumpster at at the bottom of the trash chute. And then um you can enter the room where the trash chute ends if you have larger items and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Because you're supposed to put cardboard boxes in a special recycling sure. uh dumpster and everything. The site of our trash room a week before Christmas if anybody who has just got any type of environmental awareness, or even if you don't, this would scare the ever loving shit out of you. Like what I saw, we're talking like a whole room filled with beyond the dumpsters, dude, of just trash of boxes of just holiday shit and beer can. I mean, it was just a goddamn mess. And that sample size is just my apartment building and I mean, I've, I've seen photographs of like this, the trash island stuff, you know, and just the way what we have floating out there in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a real concern. And if we're talking about the um, the consumption part of it, as, as, uh, just aside from the waste, if we keep like eating and eating and eating, you know, meats and all of a sudden there's these sandwiches, these stores on a, a diners, drives and dives where, hey, man, like they put a whole pound of bacon in the sandwich like if we keep doing shit like that, like we're going to run out of freaking pork, you know, either that or it's going to be very, very expensive. And the store that's known for its one pound bacon sandwich is going to have a $175 one pound bacon sandwich, you know? So this is the, the track that we're on, you know, it's just like it's use and use consume, consume and Ivanka Trump holding Goya beans. That's exactly, that's exactly what we, we're, we're at right now. Yeah, no, 100%. Although we'll run out of farmland before we run out of pigs. I can, I can tell you that much right now. But um, yeah, it's just uh, there's the, the problem with, well, one of the many problems with humanity is that we take significantly more than we give collectively. Mm-hmm. We take a lot more out of this planet than we give back to this planet. And that's... Uh, Oh, yeah, that's gonna it's gonna come to ruin it's gonna come to ruin things a lot faster than we realize that's all oh of course all we do is like there does whatever we put into the planet it is a very very small percentage compared to whatever we take out of it yeah. it seems like all we do is take 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 mm-hmm. so there you go those are those are those are you know what let's go ahead and earmark those we'll put those down in pencil we'll solve those in a couple of weeks yeah, exactly. In my in our spare time, for sure. Yeah, we'll 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 do a podcast about how we figured these problems out. Uh, actually, I I actually do have an answer to that to human consumption and waste. Just fire this shit right into the sun. Um, like yeah. it, like it, you could launch all of the trash on the planet at the sun, and it, like wouldn't even blink. Like it wouldn't even know that it got hit with anything. Oh, it wouldn't even it wouldn't even make it there. It could burn up miles and miles before the sun. So yeah, so like it's um that that's an answer. I just don't know how we. Uh, Launch that much trash into space it cost uh, now, cost a few trillion dollars each uh, each ton of trash. Now, quick question on this. So, while this is in the on the topic of discussion, so like obviously, like we pollute Earth. There is 
ramifications of that, you know, yeah. whether you're climate change, greenhouses, gases, everything, the space, everything. If we were to start launching trash at the sun, is there any way that that would come back for like for any way that could harm Earth? I have no, I have no idea. I just can't imagine since like the sun swallows up, like the the sun burns the atmosphere off of planets, and yeah, like it, from you know from millions of miles away, the sun burns <laughs> us from on average ninety three million miles away. So I'm not really too worried about anything that's like affecting the sun. No, when you put it like that, you know you're you're definitely a hundred percent you're a hundred percent right on that. Like my mind went to like okay, yeah, the sun vaporizes all this trash, and then like the molecules come back and they're like there would be any molecules. Oh yeah, no, it would be completely disintegrated. It's like, it's like right. getting incinerated at like several like I don't know like several thousand k. Like it's it, there wouldn't even be anything left. Okay, so I think you're really onto something here. Like, we got to figure out if this has got to be done. Rocket ship, giant catapults. Like, we got to get that. We got to get on this, dude. I think you're really onto something here. We just need more fuel than has ever been produced in the history of the space program every single day to get it all up, all up in the air. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being the dude that has to, like, load up the garbage space truck? You know, hey, by the way, we're going to fly all you guys out to Trash Island in the middle of the Pacific and or the Pacific. Here, take some take some rakes and uh, get to work. Oh, God, it just sounds awful. I know. I know. Um, yeah, that's why we got the Chema. That's why we have to get to another planet so we can go ruin that one. Right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Hey, when they're launching that Mars helicopter here in uh a couple of weeks, we might be able to scope out some real estate. Absolutely, absolutely. Look for look for a new area to put uh, put a landfill in. <laughs> right, exactly. A landfill and a McDonald's. First things on Mars. Absolutely. All right, but let's get into it. Let's get into let's fix this shit. Let's get into the bulk of the episode. So, like I said, we're not going to be tackling problems necessarily of that magnitude. I, I just I don't think that there's there. I don't think we don't have enough time to dedicate to like to that singular topic, let alone, um, you know, let alone multiple topics in addition to it. So what we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to crunch this down a little bit to a lot of the stuff that we tend to talk about. And we're going to present like our fixes in, in three different sizes, a small, medium, and large fix. Um, the small fix being something that you could kind of, um, I, I would, I would, I kind of describe the small fix as something that's like with minimal effort, you could make a change. And mm-hmm. even, you know, the, the change on the upper opposite end could be, could have a, like a large impact, but basically the way that you're fixing it doesn't require a lot of paperwork or physical effort or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be the small fix. The medium fix, something a little bit more, a little bit more in depth, a little bit more complex. Um, maybe it does require a little bit more effort. Maybe it, um, maybe it requires um, in some cases a, a little bit more cooperation with some other people. Like there's, it's more it's more than like one person or or one or two people sitting in a room going this is ever going to change this this is going to require a little bit more hands on deck to make this happen and then the large fix is something that is going to affect it's going to affect a lot of things a lot of people a lot of systems and institutions and it's going to take probably more than likely a lot of cooperation to get these sort of things done so like the large fix is it's probably something that is is big enough to sort of affect multiple institutions, multiple entities. Um, you'll see when we get there exactly what those, how these are going to break down. So, uh, so Chema, how about how about you start me off with your small fix? What do you what do you think? What do you think is going to? What, what problem are you going to try to solve here? And um, so, actually, go ahead, read read me off your your problem here. 
Okay, so the problem, this is a pretty, uh, you know, a pretty small problem here. And for people who don't live in cities where they are from, you might find it difficult to get yourself an NFL game, to follow your team. For me, it is kind of a bitch to follow the Browns out here on Sundays and stuff like that. And uh, Chum, what I have to do. Chum, hold on one second. Hold on okay. one second. So Chum is going to try to solve the the sort of um, the the, the out of market issues. And as yes. we as we get along here, I'm going to have some questions for him after he gets to the end of his fix. Just wanted to okay. tell everyone that. So I I'm going to as you're as you're going through this, I'm going to be kind of taking some mental notes. Okay, good. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same and uh, grill the shit out of you and this whole thing when my time go. comes around for sure. <laughs> Sorry about the interruption. Okay. Continue. Oh, oh, no problem, no problem. So for everybody, if you're like me, you know you um you moved away from your hometown, but you still want to follow your team and everything. I got to tell you, man, it's it's a damn bitch. Okay, like I even bought a Hulu sports package, which I owned for all of about 25 minutes because I got stuck watching. The Chargers. I didn't even get the Rams. They stuck me with the fucking Chargers <laughs> as, as, as the market um, that they were going to show me and stuff like that. I was so mad about this. And like what we have had to do to watch football games, it is it's like it's just a lot. You know, it's definitely beyond like just walking to your living room and turning on your television. You know, like it involves going out to places. Like mm-hmm. I mean, I have. I have streamed freaking games by somebody periscoping it on Twitter and yep. stuff. I mean, it's work, dude. It's like, it is mm-hmm. like work sometimes to like get it to watch these games. So what I'm going to do here, and we've, we've dabbled into this, um, this notion here on the, uh, the podcast in previous episodes is where I'm going to do like, let's just call it NFL plus. Okay. And NFL plus is a, you buy purchase by the team, the season. Okay, you pay a flat rate, you get the preseason games, and as a bonus, you get the playoffs and the Super Bowl, all via a streaming app. And like I what I want that's just what I want. I want the basic stuff. Like I don't even want any pregame coverage. They could even tune out the halftime show if they want. Like all I want is the games and like what maybe some commercials and stuff like that. So sometimes they are commercials that are of, of notoriety uh, throughout the course of the season and stuff. So what I propose is, and I hopefully somebody is out there working on this, because if not, this is like a crying shame. It just seems like it's such a simple thing where the NFL has like, that is their game. The networks are in contract with them to show their product on their network. So we have a, a service that you like, I would, and I'm going to give a good pricing point for the NFL. I will pay my starting rate for this was, is 130 bucks. Okay. Then that is $130. That is basically like me paying a little less than $10 to watch a game from my house, from somebody else's broadcast that is just beamed into an app on my TV. Okay. That, that that's, that's literally it. And when you go to, when we've gone to bars and watched like, NFL games at the bars, like you're not seeing certain commercials. They are blacked out. Like it is just, just an internet stream. Basically like nobody is bringing up channel three mm-hmm. uh, or, or Fox eight in Cleveland at right. the bar in Los Angeles. So you take this $120 flat rate. The NFL is the people or they hire somebody to host the website, whatever it is, this money goes and everybody gets a cut of it. So whoever is contracted to air the Browns that 
particular season, they all get a piece of this pie. And I feel for somebody that is in, that is in my situation, that something like that is the ideal solution for being able to watch your sports teams and things like Amazon is now getting, um, Thursday night football, I believe in the upcoming season and stuff. So that's going to be them streaming Thursday night football, Mm -hmm. something this is, we're going this direction anyway. And the way that the NFL's um, broadcast is and the production, the production quality of some of these games has just gone through the roof lately. And I remember even the Super Bowl, they had this camera angle that like made everybody look like a video game and stuff. Like we didn't have that shit like 20 years ago. The production is so good. And like, hey, if it comes down to me actually having to pay for your product, if you want to kick back out of that, go for it. Because it, you might as well offer it because it beats, it beats fucking pirating it beats going to the bars it beats like periscoping on youtube whatever the hell it is mm-hmm. it beats all that and it's another alternative for, for people to be able to purchase and experience the nfl's product i am 1000 percent on board with this i think we've had this we've had like a slightly similar discussion not not necessarily about the solutions for this but like kind of where um sports is going as as you know on, on certain streaming services um, mm-hmm. so I'm 100% in favor of this and like, I can kind of see it how like you would, you know, you'd sign up like through NFL.com or like the NFL app and like, just check down. Like I want, the, I want all the Browns games. I want all the, you know, fuck if you wanted to, you could, you could, if you felt like it, you could pay for all four of the, um, AFC North teams. If you wanted exactly. to watch all of their seasons, I, the, I totally get that. And you can actually do that. I think you can do that for MLB, uh, for for baseball teams, but the problem being how how deeply owned the TV rights are by the networks, and mm-hmm. the networks are making so much money. There's no reason for them to try this at all. Um, yeah. So this is like this is less of an NFL problem and more of a you got to take this up with CBS and Viacom, and I don't think. They're going to fucking do anything about it. Yeah. And dude, like the thing that is so, the thing that is so weird to me here is, is, is you're right. Like they're making money over hand over foot. They have a guaranteed business model that has worked forever and stuff like that. Like ever since CBS got sports back, I mm-hmm. think, which they got it back from NBC, like sometime in the the nineties, I think like it's been this working formula and my, my issue is, and like, I get, it's like this, they're little like, um, kind of snippets of like what I'm about to kind of talk about, like with, um, within a whole bunch of industries. And it's like, you're, you're being, it's an opportunity for you to make money. You know what I'm saying? Like this here presents a money making opportunity. And even if it costs like whatever between app development and all that, at some point in time, you are going to make it back. It's just mm-hmm. you don't want to do it because you already have a solid money-making formula exactly. in everything, and and I mean, dude, like you, you could. I wish I'm like really struggling to come up with a specific for another industry right now, but like, it's like that all over the place. You know, just fucking give some people another op, another way to spend money and stuff like that. Like here, I am saying that yes, I want to give you the NFL and right. CBS one hundred and thirty dollars. And it's like, what, what do you, do you not want this money? Like, I, I promise it's legitimate. I work for it. It's coming out of my paycheck. Right. And they're just like closing the door 
to a way that could make them more freaking money and stuff like that. That's the thing that like I've never really been able to wrap my head around. But at the same time, it's one of these deals where like they don't there's they don't need to wrap their head around that because they're already making billions of dollars. Yeah, that like believe me, I am like the way that this could work makes so much sense. And it probably wouldn't even cost that much in app development. Like, they already have... CBS, just to use them as an example, because, like, most of the Browns games are on CBS anyway, because uh, they have the... Um, they have the, they have most of the AFC rights. Um, like, they could just make this an additional... T- like, you can watch the game of the week on Paramount Plus on their streaming mm-hmm. app. All you have to do, basically, was add another tab for sport, like, for sports only, for, like, live sports only. Um, and right. then from there, like, you go to a drop-down menu... I, you know, like, here's here's who you're paying for. You're paying for the Browns. You're paying for, you know, whomever else. Click on it and go. So I don't even think from app, from an app development standpoint it would even be that expensive. I just think it is, th- like, the people who run CBS and Viacom are a bunch of fucking old cigar-chomping cartoon characters. And, like, <laughs> why would they change anything now? That's right. it. That's, I think that's yeah. literally the only thing you're fighting. Yeah, and, and it's the... Like, dude, like, thank God, like, some car companies have at least opened up the door to, like, oh, hey, electric cars might be a thing. Because, the, the, like, if people aren't doing if – if car companies aren't, like, all of a sudden in, de- in developing electric cars, it's like, yeah, you know, we, we just don't see this as being a thing. You know, like, there's, some, there's some fucking quote about, like, you know, nobody will ever jump in a car because they could take the train and be somewhere for 30 in 30 minutes or something. It's just some dumb quote from somebody who was way off a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is the way of the future. Like how many times do like, how many times do you have to ignore something that's gaining a lot of momentum before you realize that like, this is how the way things are going to go. And like with, with Amazon doing their Thursday night stream and even fucking a boss made me aware that Yahoo streams like three or four games a week anyway, for free. Oh, I didn't know that Yeah. Like he was, he he watched the the one time we did the hangout and watched the browser. Oh, right, right, right. He was streaming it off Yahoo. And, uh, I'm like, so you have Yahoo giving away four versions of the game for free every single week. Amazon is now streaming the game. Like, so what is going to be the thing that tips you? What's going to be the thing that is the tipping point here? Does like Google have to like all of a sudden like start streaming three or four games a week? And then they're like, okay, Google's finally doing it. Let's jump on this train. I I think what's going to happen, um, the, I think the NFL had no problem selling out some of these games to Amazon as sort of an experiment um, for this kind of thing. So, like, the new, the new TV deal kicks in next year, I think. Um, yes. Yeah, the new TV deal kicks in next year, and I, I want to say it's either for nine or ten years. And uh, f- at least for the next, like, three to four, I, I don't remember how long the Amazon deal is for. Um, that's going to be the NFL's sort of, like, that's going to be the NFL, NFL's, like, analytics to then go to, on the next TV deal, go to CBS and NBC and Fox, like, Hey, Amazon did this, you know, pulled this many shares comparative to, you know, your typical, you know, whatever game on on uh, on your regular over the air. And obviously it's not going to be as much, but you can see like the growth year to year and then mm-hmm. you I guarantee NFL will say, "So we're either going to do this on our own or you can buy this you can buy this option to like begin streaming all the games or you know figure out some kind of a la carte option." You know, because if you don't do it, then we'll do it and we'll make money off of it. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. This this venture with Amazon, this is like them 
not like I know Amazon had some games. I think last year, or maybe in the right, but there's going to be exclusive games on Amazon. Yeah, it's like this is like their freaking thing. So like, it's almost like the Amazon like had Amazon had to like go through kind of like some tests or like a little bit of like a round one, and it seems like they've passed whatever round one is. Now they're into like round two, mm-hmm. and what? And I guarantee you, if this goes well, which why the hell wouldn't it go well? I mean, I, 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 like, what are they going to do? All the servers going to be down the first game? Like, I, <laughs> right. I don't know. Probably, <laughs> Probably yeah, definitely not. Yeah. And if whoever, and if they are, there's going to be a lot of dead people the following day that Jeff Bezos decides to kill. Oh, murder! Without even, yeah, it's going to be bad. <laughs> His human hunting ground is going to be very popular that mm-hmm. day. So, so like, I, I just think that like this is the way things are going, and like when you have people like me that actually want to spend the money on something like this i may not be in the majority here but there at some point in time like there's gonna be enough of me to you know all of a sudden like you know people are starting to maybe make a statement or maybe just the numbers start trending in the right direction with streaming but this is the future they need to start embracing this stuff i wholeheartedly agree but again you're talking about networks that still make sitcoms like right. like yeah. the neighborhood, so you know, <laughs> right. it's an uphill battle. Yeah. But I, I think no, for sure. I, I think that the Amazon deal is sort of the the first like legitimate step towards you in Los Angeles being able to buy a la carte all the Browns games. Yeah, I'm waiting on that day, man. I'm just waiting on that fucking day. Like, that, there's nothing worse than like you know waking up and then knowing that you like have to go to a bar at like 9 30 or something to <laughs> right. catch a football game right like you have to go to the bar at 9 30 in the morning i know yeah dude i don't i don't even want to like obviously last year was very different but like i don't i'm not even like that eager to go to the bar at like noon mm-hmm. for right. a browns game let alone like imagine getting up at nine o'clock in the morning to go do this shit yeah, dude, like there have been many times when I've strolled in at like halftime or whatever. It's like, yeah, just let me have my morning here. The game's still going to be going on. It's uh, the game is determined in like the fourth quarter, you know, like I can. I well, can yeah, that's, the, that was old brown shit. Half. You can go ahead and miss the whole like first half. And oh, yeah. Go. Yeah, that's right. Now, Yeah, that's right. I got I'm speaking as an old Browns fan here now. That's right. <laughs> no, but yeah, you're Chubby, you're, you're 100 percent right. Um, it's just unfortunately the way things work. It's at earliest like nine or 10 years from now. Yeah, I know. I know, man. We're going to get the Olympics will roll into town and then the next year we'll get uh, we'll get NFL streaming. Yep. All right. Uh, so that was Chum's Small Fix. I like it. I dig it. That's that's exactly the sort of size thing that we're talking about. On the end, it would have a bigger impact, but like it's a pretty it's a pretty easy thing that you can conceive of. Like it, it, there's not mm-hmm. too many steps to get to it. Yeah. Uh, somebody better be pitching that. I'm telling you, somebody oh, for has sure. to have pitched it. it just has to happen for sure <laughs> or have, have happened mine's mine's a little bit more the, the the implications are much bigger but it's still pretty straightforward and, and pretty small basically just fudging one thing here so i called my small fix was called no more presidents um <laughs> joe biden should be the last president chama that, that we have and the reason why is because the way that we elect president and the makeup of our legislative body is the reason why we have so much gridlock why we have so much division, why we have things like QAnon and the alt-right and white supremacist groups popping up everywhere is because of the the partisan gridlock that Washington has become. Um, we need to move to a parliamentary system. And, and this isn't really that radical. 
there's a parliamentary system directly above us in the country we just talked about an episode ago. And mm -hmm. it works pretty well. There's a parliamentary system uh, that gave birth to our country that's been in the parliamentary system now for several hundred years. And it works pretty well. In fact, most developed countries have a parliamentary system that works pretty well. The countries that don't have parliamentary systems that have presidents, obviously there's like, there's like legitimate dictatorships and stuff like that. But a lot of countries that have presidents in that are elected, quote unquote elected, in the same way that ours is elected, are countries like Russia, Venezuela, mm -hmm. Mexico, <laughs> basically countries that are have become autocracies. Mm -hmm. um, and that's usually what happens when you imbue the power, the executive, the power of the executive branch of any government into one person. Um, mm -hmm. This is usually the way it goes. The fact that we haven't gone there yet is actually a testament to like how well our system works, despite it being inherently flawed. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and obviously it's not like it's a coup is going to happen overnight, but like just in the Trump presidency, we saw like where someone who, who doesn't really give a shit <laughs> about what they're doing, how like easily they can be swayed to do certain things. So mm -hmm. it, it is kind of, um, it is kind of like an ongoing, um, it is kind of an ongoing miracle. The fact that our presidency is still, Comparative to other countries, our presidency is relatively um, untainted. Now, mm -hmm. not to say that it's not, but it's comparatively, it's definitely in, in better shape. So, the way that this would work, um, the president—we can still call him the president, by the way. We don't, we don't have to have prime minister or you know whatever else or chancellor or anything else. They can still be the president, um, and their their powers and their function would still essentially be the same. But we need to begin electing the president from members of Congress. So after we have, so like at a general election, there wouldn't be a president on the ballot. It would just be your representatives, senators, um, you know, going to Washington. That's who you're voting on. And then that body, the Congress would then put up, you know, however many parties there are. This also would, if we were to move to a parliamentary system, all the libertarians, independents, and everyone else that complains about not having a seat at the table, this will naturally open you up to have a seat at the table uh, mm -hmm. when you have a parliamentary system. Like there are several major parties in England. There are, are like four major parties in Canada and then like some smaller parties that all have seats in their Congress and their Senate and their houses, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so libertarians and, and, and more people would finally have a seat at the table. Then from Congress, those parties would then put up their candidate and then Congress would vote on who the president is, which it sounds partisan. However, the the in order like right now we have a, such a closely split Congress. Um, I would I would make a requirement that it has to be a it has to be a sixty percent agreement. So three hundred and twenty one votes to become president. Um, kind of in the same way that we have like electoral college votes, you have to hit a certain threshold. You have to mm -hmm. hit a certain threshold here of congressional votes. So that would be yeah. like that would be sixty percent of the legislative body of Congress would have to agree on a president, which means. Congress would have to work with themselves at the outset of a new Congress. They would be forced to work with each other because the president would be would clearly have to have appeal to both sides and have to have both interests at heart. Or, you know, if there's three major parties, four major parties, whatever. Basically, we would what having a parliamentary system does is it forces the Congress to actually work with each other and work for its people. That's it. That's that's the whole yeah. point of this. When you have one president. When you have a president who is at the who's at the head of a party and we have like an alignment the way we have it right now, um, 
<coughs> whether you can, you know, obviously we needed coronavirus relief, but um, the president and the Democratic Party just went ahead without any Republican help and passed something. And mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, not that, again, the coronavirus situation is a little bit different, but like that kind of stuff just couldn't happen. It can't happen in a parliamentary system because the president is beholden to, you know, let, let's say Joe Biden was the was the uh, the prime minister slash president of the of the United States, he would mm-hmm. still be beholden to the Republican Party, the people right. that elected him. So there there wouldn't be sort of there wouldn't be this ability for one side, whoever has a majority of Congress, to force things through, to force through, um, you know, judicial appointments to the Supreme Court, to push through certain um, bills and acts to push through certain executive actions. Like those things just couldn't happen anymore. And as a safety net, if there are like two failed attempts to elect a president from Congress, then I would have, then I would then have like a general election where the presidency does go to the people, but that president only serves, uh, only serves a term of two years before they're up for a reelection again in front of a different Congress. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. It's a limit on the term too. Okay. I gotcha. Because if Congress can't come to an agreement, then, Essentially, in two years, we'll have what should be, quote unquote, a new Congress, and then they try again. Okay, and then if the president is elected via the Congress, would they serve a four year term? Like, okay, okay, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. All right, dude, that is a very, very tasty little experiment there. And I got to tell you, you're making a fuck ton of sense here. And a lot of the requirements that you have, I think, are what is the best part of this entire situation. And those would be the things that push this into being able to work and stuff. The idea of the two, the 320, the, uh, the 60, the two-thirds majority of Congress, that I think is vital to this whole thing. And what it does is it at least gives off it, it, well, no, I mean, it's definitely it is an example of people at least working together for one thing, even if they hate each other, at least they're giving off the illusion of like, hey, we can mm-hmm. come together and work together to do something like elect a president. And with that, like, it's not like you're signing up um, the Republicans to lose every single time. You know, if the Republicans can put a candidate up there who's who can get two thirds of a vote of the, of Congress, then they, you know, then fuck then that it's a Republican president, the Republican president, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You're not guaranteeing um, that somebody's going to be in charge forever and stuff, even though I guarantee you the other side will spin it that way. God oh, for sure. How, I, I mean, they do, sure. They, they spin it that way in Canada and it's like, well, you guys voted for Trudeau. So I, <laughs> right. I mean, wait, like, okay, you can, you know, you can spin it however you want to in your writing, but like you did vote for Trudeau. So, yeah, exactly. And like, I think that, like, I, I'm going to try to say this the right way here. And um, it basically make, puts the, the decision making in the people in the hands of the people who really should be making these kind of decisions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, dude, like, I, I take pride in, in our in our voting here in America and stuff like that. And um I have been more participatory in, in politics um, in like the, the like what would be now the third like the third number three like the like the last ten years of my life and stuff and um, but I got to tell you like you know like I Adam Chmielewski may not necessarily be the best person to 
actually look at an individual and be like, yeah, like this dude is a good enough guy for president and stuff. Like I'm more of a voting on party lines and stuff. And I, I think maybe, maybe Jess and I maybe voted for one Republican, like since we've been out here for some kind of position or whatever in California government, uh, don't take my word on that though. And you guys all dig this up and use it against me later. <laughs> but, um, the, um, but like, I don't know, man, like it's just, you and I are a little bit more like knowledgeable than a certain percentage of the population, but that doesn't necessarily make me the most qualified person to pick the president. You know, we could do this a very, very Catholic way where I elect somebody and they elect somebody for me. You know, that is, that's, I, that's actually, that's, that's a part of it too, bad. Chema. That's actually a big part of it too. That makes people maybe pay attention to their fucking representative a lot more right. than they would have otherwise. That, is this person going to we always say that like is this person going to represent my district anyway well now it's like i'm sending you to congress you know be it uh, i don't know you know i don't know who your representative would be um it is ted lou ted lou oh ted lou's your representative okay yeah we have a, the map the lines are drawn weird so like ted lou has got like it's we're on like a line between like ted lou and maxine waters's district mm -hmm. so ted ted lou has got the coast and then like maxine waters is a little bit further gotcha inland. so now you look at ted lou and go like i am entrusting that you're the person that is going to pick the best candidate like mm -hmm. and and i can guarantee you right now this is and this is a this is also like a pretty significant part of it too this will ensure that no one like trump ever gets nominated ever Right. Ever. Yeah. They, there is no way Trump would pass the 60% threshold, the 321 vote threshold. And then even if he got reelected, even if he got elected by the people, there's no way he'd get reelected. Oh, right. Exactly, dude. Like he wouldn't – Trump, if this was done this way, he wouldn't even have got his chance to get to the table to nope. – be a nominee like you remember like when the primaries were going on before they all started sucking up to him and like you know when they used to speak their mind about donald trump and oh, everything yes. oh yes like those people like rubio and cruz and all those people they did not want this guy in office prior to the election then he got in and it's like the greatest thing that's ever happened mm -hmm. he's the greatest president in the world but um those dudes from jump like from like the minute that the paperwork is filed they're just shredding that shit right away. Like he's not even getting looked at, you know, right. and they'll be, you know, if this were like, if we woke up to the, like two years from now and all of a sudden we're in a parliamentary system, I would think that he still would not make it to the table. All this stuff, like, you know, all these people, like they say they support him, but I think behind closed doors, if it came down to like, okay, we got, we got X amount of people who have filed papers to be our candidate. I think his would all of a sudden get lost somewhere. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Again, and I, and this is like a big. This is like a big. This is obviously a really big important thing, but like I, I thought of this as a small fix because realistically speaking, we're just adjusting one thing in the way in the way that our government works right now, and it's and the adjustment it still results in the same end result. There's still a an executive leader. There's still a leader mm -hmm. of the executive branch, and like I don't think you'd really have to change many of his responsibilities. It's just how we get to him is different. That's all. Right. I mean, we would, him or her, you and him I or would, yeah, we, we would still go to the polls. I mean, we would still cast a vote, Yep. but we would be, you know, we would basically just casting a vote for, you know, somebody to do it for us and everything to, yeah. to pick the president. And I got to tell you, you're making a really, really great point about this whole, like paying attention to your local representative type things, because like 
there are certain congressmen in this country that are like the guidance counselors of the like federal government and stuff where it's just like, you know, um, the local candy company's son who runs for Congress and gets elected and yeah. stuff. And he has a cakewalk because his jurisdiction has only got like 5,000 people in it, but it just happens to cover like, you know, 200, like a thousand square miles or some shit like that. And um, these people, like they just, they know him as like, you know, Hey, you're Sammy McGillicuddy's kid, Bobby McGillicuddy. We're going to elect you to Congress. And, and then Bobby McGillicuddy goes off to Congress and, you know, just these people never follow up with it, you know, because they're not in a, they don't really need all that much. You know, they just mm-hmm. want their land and probably some guns and stuff and to be left alone. But if those but if that same Bobby McGillicuddy was getting elected to Congress, like, you know, by people in rural Texas and that guy all of a sudden had a responsibility, I would guarantee you that that dude's um, the people that in that guy's district would start to all of a sudden like realize that like, Hey, you know, this guy could do this for us. This guy could do this for us. Like they'd be paying attention more and, you know, issues that may arise when it comes to things that involve the federal government, like they're now more in tune to the political process and thus can get things done through their local congressman if it comes down to that. Uh, yeah, that's really well said. That's, that's really well said. Um, just basically this whole thing is set up for, um, you know, to, to obviously I, I would love to change just, I would love to change the way that Washington works in general. And then I would like to put the onus on, on the voter to like pay more attention. You know, we're not, since we're not going to be voting for the president anymore, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well then let's pay more attention to our senators, pay more attention to our, uh, congress or our district representatives. Um, like these are things that like, I, I know we've mentioned this before, like all the layers between me and me and you and president Biden, there's so many layers, but like the layers between you and Ted Lou aren't, there aren't that many. And it's right. like important that you understand like what he does for your district. Oh, exactly. Like there, it's almost more important for people to be attuned to their local stuff than the federal stuff, you know, because your local shit affects affects you a lot more than some of these federal stuff does, you know, like right. they could they can make federal laws and regulations anywhere from uh, products being shipped in to prisoners to like to, to the, the, the stock market, whatever it right. is, you know, those three things. There's a pretty good chance that neither one of those are going to affect us at all you know what i'm saying like any government regulation or law to the stock market like um if you know it's it's not really going to have a big factor in us we don't have millions of dollars invested in the stock market and so it is a much more like if you are going to pick something to be passionate about politically it makes way more sense to do it from your from a little more of like a local perspective and stuff like that because you as an individual like you, I think, as an or you and I, like as people, like flesh and blood, standing, speaking individuals. I don't want to be too pessimistic here, but I don't think that there's anything you and I could ever really do at the federal level. But however, like with um, if you all of a sudden thought that like you know a street was potholed to death, you can go around to like your local the the people in your neighborhood and stuff and get a petition together right. and go drop to city it council, off at city hall, yep, and then actually get your street paved. So like, you know, we have the ability to actually do stuff at a more limited level, dude. Like, I I just, I don't think that like, whatever it is, like, I just don't see myself as being somebody who's going to impact the federal government. But yeah, you bet I could probably do something here in Playa del Rey, of course. That's why, just to, uh, to turn to touch on this idea that we had a while ago, that's why I, 
I've heard like there's people want LeBron to run as senator in California at some point. Um, nope, LeBron should be the mayor of Akron. He can get a lot of right. shit done in Akron. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like it's that is going to be uh, we we yeah we did we did talk about this before. And if you want to talk about getting shit done, that is going to be getting shit done all the way. You know what I'm saying? Like Akron, when this LeBron being the mayor of Akron, by the time his tenure is done, Akron could easily rival Cleveland as far as population goes, because they're just going to somebody could just be like, all right, I want to do this. LeBron will take a look at it and be like, all right, we're doing this. And who is honestly going to say no to LeBron? James? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like even like these, um, you know, even like these people that like, you know, maybe these really like vocal, like councilmen from the opposite side, like, are you really like, is like some five foot nine balding douchebag going to like stand up to LeBron James on a city floor council and yell and scream at him? Of course not. Of course not. LeBron's just going to back him down right into his seat. Oh, ex- exactly, man. It it would be like so embarrassing and stuff. And LeBron's like a, LeBron's like a really really smart dude. So this is somebody that, like, I just see knowing how to manage situations like that. And I mean, you're he would he would get like stuff done in ways that I don't even think people are could actually fathom because it's just how I think he could work. I would agree. Excuse me, I would agree with that for sure. All right, so those are our small fixes. I think this is a good head start or a good start uh, to this episode so far, um, and I think I think those were appropriately sized. So let's move on to our our medium sized fixes here. Um, so Chema, go ahead. Why don't you Why don't you read off here what your medium sized fixes? Okay, so the Snyderverse just came out, and it's just it's got me thinking a lot about the DCEU and stuff like that. I mean, there's just there's a lot to unpack here, dude. Like there's just so much going on in my head with this fucking movie and stuff. And, uh, it has actually got me thinking because I watched Batman vs Superman leading up to the justice league, uh, just to kind of get myself prepped for it and kind of get a little psyched up for it. And I realized that Batman Superman number one is aging pretty well. Okay. Like not all of it, but there are some of it. And with some, a little bit of fixing, I think that this movie actually could be something very, very special. And um, I just, I've been waiting to do this for a long fucking time. So like, believe me, this has been brewing for quite some time. So I'm going to, I'm mm-hmm. going to get in it right away. So yeah, Adam Chemielewski is basically fixing the Snyderverse right here. So it's a little more complicated than the, um, the last situation. Um, number one, like time travel would somehow have to be involved, which I'm, I'm unable to do. But if I was going to, you know, kind of give you my thoughts on everything, I'm going to break it down as follows. So Batman Superman. Yeah, not going to lie. It's it's definitely deserving of its criticism. I understand a lot of the negative criticism. There's some of the stuff that I agree with, some of the stuff that I I, I don't really like agree with and stuff like um, I, I can't really think of any of those two off the top of my head. But just know that in out of the abundance of comments that have been made in Batman Superman, I could agree with a lot of some of the things that have been said, but in all reality, Batman vs Superman is only about taking away 35 minutes or so. And you have a pretty solid fucking movie. Okay. A lot of the movie's problems come from number one, some really, really bad marketing. Okay. So we went into the theater with kind of like these preconceived ideas of what the movie is going to be. Cause I, I've said it before on the podcast where 
the Comic-Con Batman vs. Superman trailer is hands down one of the best trailers I've ever seen. It made it into our discussion about movie trailers, only to be followed up by the second trailer for Batman vs. Superman, which is one of the worst trailers that has ever been released. And when this trailer came out, it just kind of set the tone in our mind, and unfortunately the film really did not live up to expectations. So the way that I am going to fix Batman vs. Superman now, I could do this going if I had all my notes and sat down and did it. I could do this on a minute by minute kind of thing and almost line for line, which I'm not going to do because we only have so much time. And believe me, Matt's got to get to uh, his, which I'm very excited to hear what he's going to be getting into. So um, the way we're going to fix this is we're going to take the exact same movie. OK, I'm not going to like believe me, we're just going to take stuff out of it. We're going to just omit little things along the way. And in the end, it's going to be better. And the big focus of omission is Jesse Eisenberg's Lex, Lex Luthor, because Lex Luthor does make a cameo in the Snyder Cut Justice League, where this is the Lex Luthor we have been waiting on this whole time. He's only on camera for like two minutes, and it's infinitely better than anything he did in Batman Superman. So I'm going to give Jesse Eisenberg a greatly reduced role. And... There's a scene that I would specifically omit, which is a vital scene to the movie, which is where Lex Luthor basically reveals his big plan. And his whole thing was to get man, Batman versus Superman to like fight each other. And he was this mastermind behold, behind this whole thing. It was his idea to plan this whole thing all along, mm-hmm. which I think is just that is almost just like too much right there. I would rather have it where just Batman wants to fight Superman and it's an all out fucking brawl. Okay. None of this crap behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. none of that stuff. Now I realize that I would more than likely lose one of the best Batman fight scenes that has ever been choreographed, which is the, um, the warehouse fight scene at the end of Batman for Superman. But I'm, but I'm okay with that. Like, I would just rather have the Batman be the, he is the antagonist of the movie, but I would rather have him get to like full antagonistic stuff. And he's just going after Superman. I don't want any of this stuff in the background. And I think by removing some of that bubbled storyline and Jesse Eisenberg's really just not what I thought was going to be. I mean, I guess I, I, he's, he's every fucking character. I mean, there's really no difference in the people that he plays. So I don't know why I was surprised, but um, I would get that out of there. And this would all of a sudden, it would just basically make it like a good guy, bad versus bad guy sort of movie. Then no joke. I think I would cut doomsday out of the movie too. Just once again, it's a it's this, thing that they didn't really do a good job of the doomsday character is something that is very, very, you know, kind of very passionate to, um, to fans and stuff like that, because he was the the character that killed Superman. The death of Superman was like one of the most successful comic storylines of the nineties and of all time. If you're going to talk about ingesting money for inflation and all that. So there's like, there's just this thing that people have with doomsday. You have to get doomsday. Mm-hmm. right. They did not, so I would get Doomsday out of the movie like entirely. I don't even think that I would have um, Batman and Superman fighting Doomsday at all. I, I guess this would be the one point in time where I would have to try to interject something. And what I would have them interject is I would just set up the Justice League. Like I would basically just have Steppenwolf come in there and, at the end and all of a sudden, hey, like now that we're friends, there's a new foe to face and you just cut it off right there. Um, 
Yeah, and so these little fixes, I think, would be enough to... We're not talking about, like, all of a sudden Batman vs. Superman is better than Captain America Civil War. DC is somehow, like, you know, like, rivaling Marvel for money and critical acclaim and all that. But I do believe that the DC universe would be in a much better position with some tweaks to Batman vs. Superman. Because I'm telling you, like, I don't know if anybody expected the Justice League to be, like, as good as it was. And it's it's not the greatest superhero movie that's ever made, but it is pretty good. Like, even I myself was um, kind of surprised. And I just think that if, like, if anybody knew how good, like, somewhere... But this whole thing was presented like as three movies right away. Like, hey, we're going in. We're going to pitch these three movies. I have them all written here. Read all this stuff. I just think that like somewhere in there, Batman vs Superman, um, with some with my fixes, would just the Snyderverse would be a lot more than what it than what it is. Like, hey, I don't think there really be any need for a Zack Snyder redemption. I don't even think Joss Whedon would be involved in this whole thing. Um, I, I just believe that if they would have let me even so much as smell the Batman vs Superman script, the Snyderverse would we would still be talking about it. You'd still have Ben Affleck as Batman. There would be no drama about Henry Cable being retired as Superman. And um, yeah, like I am the guy that could fix that problem. So like if this ever happens, DC in the future, call me. I will straighten this shit out for you. I, I really like where your head's at with, um, like, I really like where your head's at with Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. That he needs to be a background character until, like, I, I don't know, like, because, like, if his role in in Batman vs. Superman felt so contrived mm-hmm. that he needs to be sort of a background character. Maybe he has a scene, and, and, and you know what I mean? He has, like, a scene where he gets to be a smarmy asshole. Um, right. Or even if he's in prison by that point. Whatever. It doesn't really fucking matter. But, like, yeah. I, like his his ultimate sort of um, introduction as... We know who he is. But his ultimate introduction should have been in a later movie that's mm-hmm. more focused on him. Right. Yeah, um, this whole... You're, you're, you're definitely right. Yeah. Dude. This is the wrong... I, I, I saw, like, I saw a tweet, like, a tweet thread in the past couple weeks that was arguing that Jesse Eisenberg's take on the character was, like, amazing and stuff, and they referenced, like, I guess what version of Lex Luthor he's supposed to be, and there's some version of, like, a young Lex Luthor who is, I guess, like, very similar to Jesse Eisenberg, and it's like... No, that's not like I don't want to see that Lex Luthor. I want to see a bald headed fucking evil menace dude. You know, I don't want to see him feed Jolly Ranchers to Holly Hunter or whatever. Like, I don't want to like that's not the Lex Luthor that I want, you know, and I think that they missed a big opportunity because when people think Lex Luthor, they think like this bald dude and stuff. No one wants to see Lex Luthor evolve into or like a sort of origin story for Lex Luthor. We want Lex Luthor to be fucking Lex Luthor and stuff. And he's just like Jesse Eisenberg, like with the hair and everything, it's just not menacing enough. But when you see the end of the um, the Snyder cut and he makes his cameo with, with fucking Deathstroke of all people, which is that you do get that sort of scene in the Joss Whedon one. It's just, a, it's, it's a little different in the, the Snyder cut, 
But it's like, this is the Lex Luthor we want. This kind of like asshole, you know, it's a completely different, it's a completely different character that he's playing between the two movies. And if we would have gotten the Snyder cut Lex Luthor in Batman Superman, they could have done, they could have left him in there with everything and it would have been awesome. You know, he could have had way more camera time, but it's just this really like stupid it's this really stupid take on the character and they they did the same thing with doomsday it's like somewhere in the dc comic universe there is a doomsday that shoots lasers out of his eyes and emits radiation but that's not the character that people know you know people know doomsday is like the big dude in the green suit every time you punch him rocks show up on his body like that's like what people came there to see and instead they got like what had to be the um the cgi throwaway footage or throwaway character from the the abomination from the incredible hulk you know i mean i seriously mm-hmm. believe that somebody was like okay we need a cgi thing and somebody's like all right dude i know this guy who did the abomination work like let's call him we can get this prototype over here immediately like I, that's it has to be what happened like i just I, I refuse to believe it happened any other way in fairness that's how they do all cgi yeah i know it's, it's like modeling. it starts off as a it it's a model a that base. everyone uses it's like it's how they it's i mean it's it's its use is much greater in video games because mm-hmm. like you're not going to build the same you're not going to like like for Call of Duty you're not going to build individually 300 guns you're right. just going to take the the base the base model of a gun that you created and then stick some shit on it um, put a different sound effect on it so like in fairness yeah it probably it probably was the it probably was the same base animation that they've used for various like hulking um, hulking CGI figures before but but point like the point is well taken that like the like what they ended up with just like didn't and I'm not really a huge comic book fan so like I don't I don't really care in terms of like the like this isn't this isn't exactly what Doomsday should look like like I don't give a shit about that what I care yeah. about is like it's a giant fucking CGI mess is what you put out at the end right when you could do yeah. something better oh dude ex- exactly like the they seriously could have done so much better. I mean, you as like when it comes to like the comics and stuff, like, um, okay. Like when you're reading literature, for example, and you, and you read game of Thrones and you read all the descriptions of what these characters look like now from George R. R. Martin's words, like you and I could read game of Thrones and then both draw Ned Stark. And we'll, we're going to hit the same characteristics. We're going to hit the hair. We're going to hit like the beard and stuff, you know, like, but a lot of other things are going to be different you know Mm -hmm. so when you cast sean bean as this character that everybody knows via literature it's okay sean bean becomes the personification of of the the words that george rr martin wrote when it comes to comic books you're connected to the imagery you're not you're not connected i mean these people talk but you're not like connected to the words and stuff you know like you may like remember truth justice in the american way but you're not remembering the sentence superman before said before or after that and when you have these when you're looking at something that is you know at its core art with images you have the attachment to the images and stuff that's why there are people that have such great connections to early versions of the joker to like 90s versions of the joker people love the animated series version of the joker like you just have these like visual connections and those things really cannot be fucked with and and if you look at like the way that um the marvel cinematic universe is, has designed the way their the the outfits and the costumes look on their characters like yeah there is variation 
but there's not like extreme variations. It's not like Mark Ruffalo changes into a giant red Hulk or even a Hunter green Hulk. You know, he turns Mm -hmm. into the comic green Hulk. Captain America has got a slightly more modern version of the suit that he wore in the, in the olden days. And even when they had Chris Evans as Captain America and Captain America, uh, the first one, like they showed the, the suit was pretty much matching the comics, you know, mm-hmm. like you're to any, any little variation was on note was hardly noticeable. So those, the people at Marvel have like done it right where it's like, yeah, like you have all the freedom in the world to do what you want with Thor, but you have to make it look like the comics too, you know, and I, somewhere they have found this really great harmony for taking capturing the the attachment that people have with the the images from the comic and turning it into live action like their their depiction of thanos is fucking amazing like i mean the the cgi and everything they did with that is is so spot on so i mean those are the type of decisions that like it just basically shows that like somebody really gives a shit and it's like yeah like you guys can put your own take on something but you have to have like somewhat of a consciousness about like what you're putting out there yeah, no, I I totally understand. I, I will say this, though, that, like, um, you're also kind of forgetting conveniently the various stages of Thanos throughout the years when he makes appearances here and there. He looks very different. Um, yeah, they, they, you're they definitely did, right on that. They did a lot of work on it. But, no, but you're you're correct in the way that they, that page to screen, um, they they do a more faithful job in, in, the, in the MCU um maybe not more faithful but like a, a more it feels like it, it feels more comic book it feels more like you're seeing a comic book hap- un- unfold on screen um whereas like i i've said this before i said this after i watched the the snyder cut um uh, last week that 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 was like a movie it, like mm-hmm. whereas marvel movies are like carnival rides that was yeah. a fucking movie that just yeah. happened to be about superheroes um yeah in the same way that that Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and Batman, you know, that trilogy, those were movies that yeah, happened I, to be about a superhero. Yeah, uh, I've, I've used the term superhero film with that because, I mean, that that, that is like, you're right, man. That That is like just... That's that like a movie, you know what I'm saying? That's like a movie, you know? Like, you that's could, not you could have made the popcorn Sny- stuff. You could have made the Snyder Cut. Um, you could have swapped out the superhero stuff for like a world war two setting and the beats would still like make sense. Oh, of course. Definitely. Whereas if if you were just trying to swap Avengers Endgame out for a world war two setting, it would be very, it would be a very bombastic war with soldiers just (laughs) launching each other themselves at each other. Like it, it would make significantly less sense. So like, yeah, like, like I, where was I going with this? Oh, uh, the, like the MCU is certainly more faithful to like the, the way that the comic books are. And I think that is, but again, I think they also just have so much more goodwill <laughs> established um, that like, it, like they're almost going to have to like, whenever the next phase of the movie start coming out that like the templates already been set, like someone's really going to have to fuck something up to, mm-hmm. to tank one of these movies. You know what I mean? Like someone's really going to have to fuck it up. Yeah, I mean, these movies, like, that formula, that template is so established that you're basically guaranteed success. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're you're basically going in there, and the lowest rating you're going to get on Rotten Tomatoes is in, like, the 70s or something, you know, right mm-hmm. off the bat. And, like, 
I'm telling you, like, if you're if, somewhere in there, like, they have to have, like, a room full of people who just know what they're doing. And it's almost like they have to, like, I can see these people, like, analyzing every single script and, like, figuring out, like, the appropriate time for jokes and all this oh, other for, stuff. Yeah, like, 100%. You know, like, like the, the same kind of situation that, like, Elon Musk would have for designing an affordable, like, not $40,000 electric car, they probably have for Captain Marvel 3, you know? And you, like, you have to be, like, just a total, total dud to really, like, screw this up. I mean, they've got it down so cold. They, they've got it down to, like, a, like a literal science. And... Um, I just, I just cannot see this machine stopping anytime soon, you know, and like whether or not my personal opinion is that the the next movie is better than the last one. It it doesn't even matter because like whatever, whenever black widow comes out or whatever, that will be like, you know, the third highest grossing movie of all time until the next one and so forth and so on. Well, it won't be because it's going to be on mostly on uh, HBO max or not HBO max, uh, Disney plus. Yeah. They're, um, that's right. They're, it's coming out earlier. It's coming out in the summer. That's right. Yeah. So just anything that's coming out this year, just go ahead and scratch that idea that's going to make a lot of money off the, uh, um, like, essentially, Mm -hmm. like, what did Godzilla open with? Nine million in the United States? And that was the biggest opening since, like, last, since, obviously, since, like, like, before last March? Yeah, I've I've stared away from, I still haven't seen it yet, and we're watching it um, tomorrow or Saturday. Uh, I've just been... Anything Godzilla that headlines that I see for the next 48 hours and like the, the week prior, I just tuned out, dude. Yeah. So like it could even be something unrelated to the plot. I'm just seeing it. And I'm just like, nope, nope, we're not going to go there. <laughs> right, right. I gotcha. Um, yeah. So I, I think I think in general, I'm with you there. I just I'm kind of like I, I, I will say this, though. You I, there is no way to prevent the fiasco that was Justice League unless you plan on figuring out a way to keep his daughter from committing suicide. That's exactly right. Like, yeah, this there is no that, way to to undo that. That was that was that was the result of studio interference combined with personal tragedy that could not like after it happened there was like no avoiding what needed to be done with Josh Whedon mm-hmm. with Josh Whedon. Um, so like that movie was a catastrophe in the making. Yeah, there was like I the only way that this would have been saved was to omit the suicide from the equation and. Um, with that being what it is, like, I mean, I just like, I, number one, like I don't have any children. So, I mean, I can't, ima- I can't even begin to put myself in Zack Snyder's position if just as a father, but then to be helming this multi-million dollar mm-hmm. project and this thing that you were shooting and in the cutting room and all that stuff. And all of a sudden this happens. I mean, it's, that is just like, that is just shit that like nobody, nobody should have to deal with either one of those, you know, especially like the, the suicide thing. And then, then having to, in this time, it's just, it's, it's a, it's just fucking horrible. Dude. Yeah, it was really terrible. And then it. everyone had to deal with Joss Whedon, who, yeah. who outwardly was like, who outwardly was like, um, always championed like feminist movements and stuff like that. And it turns out he's a fucking misogynistic piece of garbage. Yeah, that's um. I got to tell you something. The news that has broken about him recently, it's like, it's one of these deals where, like, for some reason, I'm like, how did I not see this before? Like, was he just overcompensating for stuff for being such a, a trumpeter of feminism? And sounds that? like, like I, I mean, it's going back to his Buffy days, it sounds like yeah, he was. I mean, so I mean, we're talking like close to 25 years. Yeah, I I do know that he is a real like piece of work on sets and stuff, and like the the, the story that I have, like he, he directed an episode of The Office, 
And um, in the middle of this, it's this episode where Pam had some paintings and she was showing them off at an art show mm-hmm. at the end of the episode. He halted production on the episode because he didn't like one of the um, paintings that somebody had set up in the background. And like, it's basically Joss Whedon and the head writer walking around. Um, God, I think it's CSUN, like Cal State University Northridge is where they were. Mm-hmm. And um, they're just walking around the campus trying to find an art student. They paid this art student like a hundred bucks to like draw a watercolor thing of a stapler. And that's what resumed the production. So when I hear stuff like that, um, you just know that there's some next level shit going I mean, on. That that sounds just like uh, like tortured, stupid artist shit. Like okay, whatever. There's like that that is like even mild compared to some of the stuff that um um go oh, god damn it what's his face um that Kubrick made people do on his movies. Like that's mm-hmm. that's like junior level. Oh, shit. I, yeah. Right. So yeah, I've heard but like stories, that's yeah. that's sort of like I, I like I can write that off as like that's just like bizarre artist shit. But like calling calling your lead actress in the middle of the night to tell her that if she gets pregnant, she's going to be off a show. That's horrible, horrible shit. Oh, that is definitely horrible. And like it's weird. Like when when Kubrick does that kind of stuff, it's like. Oh, it's just what he put his actors through for art. But when Joss Whedon does it, I like really take offense to it. It might just be because of all this other shit that has come up recently that has formed this opinion of mine. But th- that dude has just turned out to. There's just I guarantee there's more. You know, it's this is going to be oh, like course. something that continues yeah. to kind of go on throughout the year. Well, for sure. All right. Um, I'm also taking a pop culture angle at this one, um, and going with a, a a long beloved property that uh, that also sucked. When we finally yeah. got it. Um, I'm talking about the Star Wars prequels. And I'm going to do a reset with these sequ- with these prequels. Um, this was like... I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to believe it, but this was our... As two big... I know you're a Star Wars fan. I'm a Star Wars fan. As two big Star Wars fans, this was our first experience with original Star Wars in, in theaters. Right? Like, this was... We, this we had, would have been... Yeah, as far as like a like a new Star Wars movie, yes, because right, because you didn't, you weren't there at the premiere in nineteen seventy seven. Right? Did, did you go see the the remakes? And no, the, no, no, no. The, I'm not, the, erase those. Erase those. Okay. This is okay. new Star Wars for a new generation, and so like, gotcha. even though like I had seen all of the other ones, and I I saw the remade ones, and you know the the retouched ones in theaters and everything else. This was yep. our first new Star Wars. The, like, exactly. New Star Wars for a new generation, and boy, what a Boy, what a fucking disappointment, and how hard a lot of us tried to pretend like they were good. Um, <laughs> definitely some little nuggets in these, but, like, just all-around terrible catastrophe. Whatever, Lucas made his billions of dollars, so, like, I'm sure he doesn't give a shit. Um, but I, I think I think as we're seeing now, the path that you want to go through... There's one or two paths you want to go through. I, I think the, I think the, the Snyder Cut is one path, but that's going to be a path that's only opened under very certain circumstances for, for filmmakers mm-hmm. um, that you're going to get a chance to like, okay, here's, here's a, here's millions of more dollars to redo the same movie that you just did. Essentially. That's only going to happen right. once every five to 10 years. But I right. think the better path for this, and I think this would have made the prequel and this didn't exist back when the prequels came out. Um, you should start doing these kind of things as TV shows. And, the Star Wars prequels as TV shows, I think, would have been fucking bananas good. 
And mm-hmm. obviously Disney Plus didn't exist back then. The streaming services didn't exist back then. It's not like you could have put this on fucking ABC in 1999. Like this just <laughs> wouldn't have worked. But right. my, my whole thing is here that like, Chema, you and I both know this. At some point in time in the future, they're going to revisit the prequels and someone is going to remake them. Someone is going to do something to them. And mm-hmm. why not, instead of make it into, try to make another movie out of it, because I think that's a failed venture, make it into a three, make it into a, t- make it into a TV series, three seasons long, 12 episodes each. Okay. If you do it this way, you can kind of break this up and put the, like, <clears throat> from, amongst, amongst the prequels, many, many problems was how much stuff they try to jam into each movie, especially like the last two movies. How much right. they just fucking fold it in there. Um, this way you can kind of stretch out. You can take the three seasons and kind of follow the three main ideas separately for 12, you know, for 12 episodes. So approximately 10 to 12 hours worth of, of, uh, of screen time. So instead of, instead of three movies that approximated 10 hours, you can now have over 30 hours of content to flesh okay. out these storylines and flesh out the dense amount of details that Lucas tried to put in these, tried to put in these movies. Um, let's start with the first season, Chama. So instead of starting where the Phantom Menace picked up, let's skip child Anakin Skywalker altogether. Like, Good. I don't need to see him as a kid, but how about as a young, as a, as a young knight in the Jedi order. So mm-hmm. we can then explore the beginnings of his relationship with Obi-Wan, with Obi-Wan, which is sort of like, I mean, that's really like the foundation for like this entire story is, right. is Anakin's betrayal of Obi-Wan. And while you do get the sense of, of, you know, of friendship that they had over the course of the, um, you know, the first three of the first of the first batch of prequels, it's just not that in depth. Now mm-hmm. we can go for an entire season of these two hanging out together. Like they would be the focal point of this, of this first season. Where we're really going to get into the nitty gritty. We're going to see them form a bond. We're going to see Obi Wan save his, you know, save Anakin's life, and Anakin save Obi Wan's life in various adventures and mishaps and things. And so, like, so, like, okay, we get to see the bond get sealed. But also, even in this first season, before we know that Anakin is kind of being tempted by the dark side, and uh, and Palpatine is whispering into his ear. Spoiler alert for uh, a series of movies that's now forty years old. Um, that Emperor Palpatine is that Palpatine is the Emperor. Or, uh-huh. uh, but anyway, um, but also like we can kind of we can kind of then explore like Anakin's um, tendencies towards the dark side, free of influence mm-hmm. from an actual um, you know from an actual practitioner of the of the dark side of the Force. So essentially, we would see the things that sort of already maybe that subconsciously are helping to push Anakin towards that anyway. So like his transition to the dark side is a much slower burn and there's a much more deeper exploration into his psyche in this, in this version. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of since this would be a gray area in star Wars canon, at least like film and TV wise, um, you can kind of like do whatever you want in this, in this time period. You can have him go on missions. You can just make up stuff. You can expand the, the star Wars story and uh, expand the universe a little bit without really doing any damage to like what the storyline you know becomes. Mm-hmm. I kind of term this one. This is my true detective season of Star Wars of the prequels. Okay, right. It's it's going to have that same sort of focus on the. I mean, essentially, what are Anakin and and Obi Wan? They're cops. 
they're yeah. intergalactic cops. So we're going to kind of focus on them for that first season. And the yeah. second prequel season, this is where we do a more thorough investigation for how, you know, it, when how the Empire is already beginning to corrupt the Republic. Um, you mm-hmm. know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do an introspective kind of thing on how the the little tendrils have already kind of been growing through the Republic. That's obviously you know we we know where this ends up, but we're gonna see these in in much more um, slow motion and much more depth. So this is like this is more of a political thriller as we watch Palpatine outmaneuver the Jedi outmaneuver the Republic and we kind of learn the truth about like what the separatist movement actually is. Right. Mm-hmm. So like this is this is a little bit more slow mo into the political machinations. You could call this the House of Cards season. As it okay. as it's gonna revolve around all the political players, like I said, Palpatine. It's gonna revolve around the Jedi Order more collectively, the Republic and Padme more collectively. Um there's gonna be a lot less there's not gonna be a lot as many sword fights in this version in this season, basically. In the yeah. In the third prequel season, this is our more action-oriented season. Um, we're going to watch the complete downfall of Anakin. The Emperor is finally going to reveal himself. And we're going to... I think the linchpin for this one is how the executive order... Or the execution of Order 66 plays out. So, it, basically everything kind of is the same Is the same here. Like, we're... we This one, in, in terms of uh, Revenge of the Sith, that was like the most action-packed one. So this one's going to be more action-packed. But we're still going <coughs> to... Excuse me. We're still going to have, like, some focus on Anakin and his, like, final steps to becoming uh, Darth Vader and his final steps in his struggle with the dark side. Um, the dark side of the Force. And you could... It could end up the same way, you know, with the death of Padme, um, you know, and, and the and the final confrontation with Obi-Wan. And as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, that would actually make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like the, the Emperor would be uh, one of those, like, penultimate reveals um you know that, that's going to okay. come in like episode 11 uh, of 12 if you will but order 66 where the jedi are all executed um this went way too fast in the movies like oh, this yeah. happened instantaneously and then like oh hey by the way the jedi order has been eliminated um let's move on right. that this is something that feels like it should have been given more more due and i think this is something in, that should have happened if if we're going to do this as like a 12 episode season this is something that happens in like episode four, that Order sixty six mm-hmm. gets executed, and then from episode four on, it's Obi Wan and a handful of other Je- Jedi's trying to survive being hunted down. So it's yeah. it's them stranded wherever they are, trying to communicate with each other, rallying their forces, and then trying to figure out how we strike back at the at they know who they know who ordered it and they know what's going on, even though the rest of the Republic doesn't. And it's but you know because they're sort of fugitives, they're ostracized and they're kept out of loop. It's them trying to sort of like get their name back and uh, and exact vengeance on the Empire and the Emperor. Um, so <clears throat> so like that's going to be like the biggest portion of this is like Obi-Wan and the other Jedi trying to survive. Um, then you could kind of have the same final face off with uh, with Obi-Wan and Anakin. Since the Emperor knows that like they're surviving Jedi, he's going to use Anakin to lure Obi-Wan out. And then you mm-hmm. get that final reveal of Anakin as... Um, as uh, as the Emperor's student, and you know, you know, his turn into Darth Vader, even the fight can end up the same way with um, with Anakin being disfigured and everything else, and then finally becoming the robotic Darth Vader that we that we all know and love. Um, and then it, you know, could end with Obi Wan winning that fight, putting himself into self exile. Obviously, we know where the fuck it goes from there, and that would be like the series uh, finale, sort of setting up like the story that we know. This is my this is my Game of Thrones style season. 
um, for for the Star Wars prequel. But it would it would just sort of answer some of those. It, it especially that especially that last movie, like some of the good things were that were in there. Like the, some of the action was good. I still love General Grievous. Um, like mm-hmm. he'd be a great villain. He'd be a great TV villain to have repeatedly. Um, yeah. It just the that last episode, the last installment, especially needed more to it. So I think this would be a better way to go about it. And we're seeing that, like, hey, people love Star Wars on TV. So why the fuck not? If you're gonna again, Chuma, you and I both know if they're gonna redo these prequels at some point, redo them as a TV show. Oh yeah, they're just dropping a new star. There's a new Star Wars show coming out pretty soon, if I'm not mistaken, yep. um, on Disney Plus. So yeah, people love Star Wars on TV. Okay, so getting it to kind of give my uh, two cents into further the conversation and everything. You're hitting this right on the head, dude. Time was something that we need way more of, especially with all this stuff that Lucas kind of introduced with the prequels. Like the idea of this like trade politics for the Federation Mm -hmm. that we got in the Phantom Menace. And all of a sudden there's like this kind of government setup that we have to learn and all that. We just need, we need more time, dude. And like, we needed more time with everything. I'd, I'd actually say the only thing that we're probably good on as far as not really developing any farther, any farther is just the, um, the, the people who built the clones and stuff that seems to be pretty cut and dry. Right. There's these people forever have been building an army. Um, and then we slowly would work that whole concept into the second season right. where it becomes like a political thriller and mm-hmm. everything like that. And number one about true detective, the season one, Definitely right. Anakin and Obi-Wan, they're looking for the Sith. You know, the Sith are all of a sudden around and stuff. That is the detective story right then and there. You know, you could even close, you could even somehow maybe bring Darth Maul um, into this show and have him actually be relevant and have him actually (laughs) be awesome and stuff like that. And not only have six minutes of screen time or whatever bullshit that is, but um, okay. So to continue, I'm going to kind of go along and get into um, what you're saying about the third movie, because the third movie I have this like stupid connection with because there was this point in time I didn't have a TV and antennas. So like I seem to watch the third movie like God only knows how many times. Mm. And there is so much crap in that third oh my movie God. that yep. is just jammed in there that since since we have this movie came out and stuff that we have learned that a lot of the shit that goes on in the um, revenge of the Sith is totally something that is built for TV. Okay. Take Anakin's develop Anakin's relationship with um, Palpatine and everything. Mm -hmm. Now they, we touch on it and stuff like that. And in the, the first two movies, you get little sprinklings of it, but you're meaning to tell me that Anakin listens to a story about Darth Plagueis and the wise. And all of a sudden, like, this is enough, you know, yeah. like, Oh my God, I'm so locked into the, uh, the Palpatine now that I need him to save Padme's life because I'm having dreams about her dying and stuff. Like there needs to be so much more with that. You know, I mean, there even could be stuff like where Palpatine specifically asked Anakin to do stuff that he doesn't tell any of the other Jedi right. about, you know, right. being able to like, um, build on that relationship and see how Palpatine like twists his mind. Like actually like Obi-Wan says the phrase, the, like some, you twisted your mind, Anakin. Yeah. Well, like all we've really got is one scene of that, you know, that was probably like all of four minutes long things that are so crucial to a franchise and a story within a franchise 
we need to get more than five minutes on that dude. Like, you know, I mean, if, if you would have had revenge of the Sith as like the first 45 minutes are like Anakin and Palpatine and there's just all them, it may kind of sort of make the big, uh, killing of Mace Windu and all that. It it may sort of make it feel a little bit Mm -hmm. right. But when we're watching the third movie and he has this conversation then he kills Mace Windu and then he's pledging a like kneeling on the fucking ground in front of the emperor and stuff. Like he's his master, like all so fast. It's just like, it's just way, it's a story that's way better suited for television. Yep. And um, the execution of order 66, that is a fucking, that's like an episodic arc. That is yep. not five minutes <laughs> in the middle of a three hour movie and stuff, you know? And like, it's one of these things where, they didn't even really get the point across because it all happened so fast. Right. It's like, yeah, so these Jedis got killed. So we've seen, like, you probably saw, like, at the most, like, maybe, like, 10 Jedis or so lose their life in the course of this, like, montage and stuff. And it's just, like, one of these things where, like, in, in the in um, Attack of the Clones, there were a whole bunch of Jedis and a whole bunch of lightsabers. So you're meaning to tell me that, like, we see this small sample size of 10 people dying that we are supposed to infer that all of the Jedis have been killed. Right. There's, there's no possible way that there was a, a stormtrooper clone directly next to every single Jedi. Right. There's just no possible way. And that was sort of like, that's one of those things. I'm like, there's a story right there. Obi-Wan has to find all the lost Jedi. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. He's trying to rally the troops together, trying to like um, what eventually ends up become the becoming the foundation of the rebellion and stuff. Or right. Like the or the, the Jedi's like the start of them going into hiding. Maybe right. he gives them instructions and stuff like but it's just like, OK, so, yeah, you're mean to tell me this Jedi order, this thing that was so prominent that had its own temple that Anakin spent time with. Everything's just gone in like five minutes. You mm-hmm. know, it's just and like it's not even like the, the first three movies don't even cram this much information in there. And like, no, they don't. even, and when they do give exposition, it is very, very simple. It is a matter of a paragraph or two at the most, and they don't get into it anymore. Like you just, you know, like through very simple dialogue exchanges that the empire is bad. This is the situation. There are people that are against the empire. There are some people that are for it. It's all presented very, very, very simply. And I like it's just like George Lucas like seems like he had this big super super grand idea, but just didn't necessarily know how to communicate it. And I'll tell you the one thing that um that would work absolutely amazing for this um for this TV show that we like haven't really dived into with this conversation is the entire fucking relationship development between Anakin and Padme. Yeah, it's like. In the first movie, it's a it's a kid and like what like Natalie Portman's like over eighteen at that point in time or on the verge of being eighteen. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Okay, like that is just fucking weird that it's like this kid and this girl and stuff. Like, yeah, sorry, Jake Lloyd, we didn't need your movie at all. Uh, Like, right? It should have just been Hayden Christensen from the beginning. Yeah, exactly, dude. And like, there are these fucking movies that come out where like like Blank Check, for example, where like the kid gets a date with the hot woman that's like the, the the like love object of the movie and stuff like that the object of affection for the movie that shit looks weird okay like and, and it's just i don't know it sets a really wrong tone when you see the next movie and all of a sudden like anakin's like 
you know, like sort of like maybe her age. It's just like, oh, my God, like she hadn't seen him in so long. And that's how they justify it. And then next thing you know, like there there's all these ups and downs and, oh, he's jumping on Buffalo looking all adorable and stuff. And then, you know, and then in the next movie, they're married. It's just I do. I don't know, man. It was just a really stale, like love story and i know that when it comes to these big blockbusters and stuff we're not talking about like the greatest forms of relationship development no. when it comes to the characters but like that was just like extra bad you know and mm-hmm. i remember and i remember like watching like attack of the clones and like in the beginning of the movie they're you know they, they had just run into each other or something like some accident or they run into each other accidentally and then by the end of the movie they're getting secretly married in naboo and it's like you know it's it's just bad dude. it's just really freaking corny and when you have tv you can actually develop that relationship to give their relationships like you know actual trials and testaments and obstacles for them to overcome that are just beyond something like Oh, Anakin believes that everybody should be made to discuss something. Oh, that's a real, that's a sign that he's going towards Darth Vader. You know, it's, there's mm-hmm. just way, way more that could be done there. Exactly. This is, I, I think, and I think more and more, more and more storytellers, great writers, directors, producers are looking at, are looking at TV as a way to tell better and better stories. They just have, you just have so much more room to work on them. And then, you know, to work on the story and to work on, like, you, you know, you can get a more of an emotional impact out of out of relationships and things that way, the more time you spend with them. And now when you look at the quality of something like The Mandalorian, I mean, I, I still haven't seen it. I've seen, I haven't seen the series, but I've seen, like, clips and stuff. And there are some clips mm-hmm. that, like, it looks like a TV show. And then there's some other clips. Yeah. I'm like, that's a fucking TV show? Get the fuck out of here. So, right, like, the quality is so much better that, like, you could put you could put something like this on, as Game of Thrones proved, and as other shows since, you know, since Game of Thrones ended, have improved upon, you can put big action, you can put big scenes on TV and make them look good. Oh, definitely, dude. And that's where... That's where this whole thing is going. These big like franchise TV shows and is like with these streaming services being more popular and then the pandemic comes around and we have a year of not being able to go to the theater. There's going to be a like a, a bigger demand for this um blockbuster TV shows and stuff. You know, when like Amazon drops the Lord of the Rings, we still have this mm-hmm. Halo show that's floating out there somewhere. So like the d- the demand is there. I think it's all about choosing the right properties and what a better property than star Wars who guess what everybody, the last movie fucking sucked and still haven't seen it. (laughs) Don't like this is, you know, like how we had the different opinions on the McRib and stuff. This is one where I would actually tell you not to. Okay. I I told Dennis to eat a McRib. This is one where like knowing, and especially after having this conversation about like the prequels and stuff, uh, you're gonna. Th- you might not even make it through the last one because I have a feeling. I, I, I fell asleep in the theater. I passed out in the theater. I was loaded, but um, <laughs> like, I, I mean, let me put it to you this way: it wasn't good enough to hold drunk Adam's attention. Okay, gotcha. let me put it to you, to you that way. So, like, if you're a Star Wars fan, as as I am, and you're a little like scorned from the Rise of Skywalker, as I am. The idea of a television show that you could watch in your house about Star Wars is actually like a pretty good idea. And like, I'm not, and you know me, man. Like, you know, whenever the next movie comes out, yeah, I'll be there opening weekend for sure. But I, but I'm going to complain about it. <laughs> okay. Like, <I'm> gonna... <laughs> that's, that so, should like, be, 
that should be the outside of the Force Awakens, which we both talked about. How that was like the easy one of the mm-hmm. of the more more recent trilogy. That's the easy one. But yep. outside of the Force Awakens, that should be like the the tagline. I'm gonna be there, <laughs> but I'm gonna complain about it. <laughs> Definitely, dude. And like I think Star Wars, like and the way that Disney is expanding their platform with Disney Plus. They're they're gonna need something like that, you know. They're gonna need another Mandalorian, and I I haven't watched it. Like I, I know it's great. I, Timothy Oliphant's on it, so how could it be bad? But at the same time, I'm just like I'm just not really ready to get there yet. I'll get there eventually, and it'll probably be something along the lines of another badass live action show that looks totally different. That I'm like, okay, now maybe it's time for Adam to return to the star Wars universe. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and, and Pedro Pascal is also in the Mandalorian. So like, that's, he's the fucking man. He's the man. Yeah. He's, he's, he's fucking he's awesome. Man. He, he saved, I shouldn't say he saved, but he made wonder woman 84 kind of fun. Oh yeah. He, Oh, you could say that all the way. Yes. Yeah. That guy made a, that guy's portrayal of, of the max power, whatever it is. Like that guy was great in it. Wonder woman 84 has got a lot of problems. Oh, yeah. And like his, um, his performance is one that I'm like the, the last scene with him and his son. I'm like, yep. We made it through all that to see that fucking scene. I was crying and everything. Uh, well, I'll disagree. Well, I mean, the last scene was kind of emotional. I'll, I'll disagree on how we got there. Uh, because that's the movie didn't really know where it was going at any point in time. Yeah, um, so, it, it, but but he was good enough to make me forget that uh, that Wonder Woman raped a man. Oh yes, yes, that is right. Yes, that is that is true. Yes, you're definitely right on that. And yeah, you, it's like it's one of these deals where like there's. I'm glad that that was the end result. I guess not the, not how we got there, but I'm glad <laughs> right. at least like there was something in there. And he hits that '80s that '80s personality so well. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. want more and all that? It's just it's it's like Wonder Woman had all these like things from the '80s that they could have used. Some of them were good. Some of them uh, not so much. Yeah. No. It's. Uh, I, I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole because yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's that a whole other thing. Yeah. Not good. 